It's 1 o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville.
at something today, uh, just briefly, and I've actually looked at this before, uh, divine DNA. Uh, and before I get into that, we had a, a funny, uh, we were talking about this morning, talking about Santa Claus coming and, you know, the kid within us and all that, and we figured that after Santa Claus left the Lances where baby Lily is, we would see him flying over with Lily clutched to his beard. So uh, I, we just thought that was funny, so uh, the way she loved to tug on the beard. But uh, it's good to see all of you, especially good to see Hunter back from the, the uh, Navy. And it's just a wonderful time of year. So much to be celebrated, so much, so many blessings. So let's take advantage of that uh, realization today. But back to the sermon, divine DNA. We live in a, an age where... DNA is, is at the forefront of a lot of things. You know, they can figure you out. If you've committed a crime, a heinous crime, you know, they, they solve a lot of really old unsolved cases now through DNA. It's the building blocks of who we are. We have a unique DNA. Deoxynucleic acid. So the question is today, and what we want to look at, of course, with the advent of Christ is his DNA. He was a, we always say and we know that he was 100% human but 100% uh, God. And that doesn't seem to make sense if you think about it. If he's 100% human, that's going to mean he's sin, he was sinful. No, it doesn't. It means that God did something miraculous in what's called the Immaculate Conception. So we're going to look at that today just a little bit because we are all composed of DNA and it's unique. DNA is a wonderful thing. If you go with me to Psalms chapter 139... We're going to look at a, and we go to this verse quite often, Psalms 139. We're going to look at an allusion or a reference to DNA in Psalms 139, verse 13 through 15. The psalmist says, you have, uh, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Talking about the birth of a baby. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That means there's an artist working. That means that, there is a, something going on there that is very, very powerful. Very, a very skilled artisan is knitting a baby together in the womb. Now, if you look at, that's actual microscopic picture of DNA. It looks like strands knitted together, doesn't it? Well, the, the King James says wrought. The NIV says knitted. They basically mean the same thing. So that's what the psalmist is saying. You knit me together. He didn't probably understand DNA, but God gave him an inspiration to write this down so that we could see how God used the building blocks of his creation to create a human child. So uh, you see that. It's uh, proteins knit together, and they're held together by, uh, you know, those little, they look like little struts or little spokes there uh, in those circles. Now, all of that is instructions it's hard it's mind-boggling in that tiny microscopic little dna there are instructions for hair color there's instructions for height there is instructions for weight there is instructions for everything of the body there's instructions for skin color there's instructions for all these things and everything comes out of that so it's really miraculous. But in human DNA, since the time of Adam and Eve's fall in the garden, there are also deficiencies in that DNA, right? But there are viruses uh, programmed in there, not by the hands of God, but by sin entering the world. It came into 
uh, mankind, and it, it, and it cursed all the way from the very tiniest parts of our being. So there are propensities for disease for that individual as that disease grows. I, uh, about 10 years ago, I started getting blood clots and didn't think that much about it. They were in my legs, but then I ended up having to go into the hospital because I got to coughing and, and uh, had coughing up blood and I had them in my lungs. So the uh, physician who's retiring this year, he's a great man, Dr. LeCicero did a workup. They took like 10 vials of blood and out of that, on a DNA level, he was able to ascertain that I have a condition called uh, factor five. It is a genetic disorder that they could pinpoint out of the DNA. And that come from my ancestors on the laddie side probably. I, I know a lot of them had circulation problems. Some of them had blood clots. So that's a flaw in my DNA. Everything is there uh, in that DNA. So that's kind of the program, uh, the way that God uses uh, that to create us. Now, he's not responsible for the sin in it. Adam and Eve's responsible for the, for the uh, flaws in that DNA because of their disobedience. Uh, so, and there's a lot more to DNA. There's RNA. There's, there's a protein that holds things together in the body called laminin that's in the shape of a cross. Is that accidental in the body? I don't think so. Here, I, I'm here to tell you today that everything out there from DNA to creation that we can see, it has the stamp of God and his revelation of Jesus if we'll just see them. If you look through a microscope, you're going to see God revealing himself. If you're not, you know, blinded by sin and, you know, uh, if you look into the heavens through a telescope, you're going to see God. You're going to see uh, his signature. If you look into the natural world, you're going to see his signature. If you look at spring coming out of winter, you're going to see resurrection. We're not going to have an excuse one day if we stand before God and we've not believed in Jesus. So this DNA, what was Jesus' DNA? If he was 100% man and 100% God, something unique had to happen in his DNA, didn't it? So... I want you to go with me quickly to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Paul says, Wherefore, when Jesus cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. So God prepared him a body just like a human body, but it was different from a human body. Because, let's go to the composition of a baby, how a baby is by God chosen to be through genetics, through DNA, a boy or a girl. A girl has, how many chromosomes is there? 23, 23 chromosomes. And, and uh, you know, Down syndrome, they, I think they have uh, one less chromosome, but that doesn't mean they're less in God's eyes, amen? It means in a lot of ways they understand more than we do. Uh, about what life is and about how God operates and all those things. But there's 23. Uh, there's XX for a girl, uh, two X chromosomes, I believe it is. And for a boy, it's XY. The father decides that through his DNA. Okay? So for generations in our family, there's been one boy. Dad was one boy. I'm one man. He's a man. And now we have 
You know, my, my, his generation, uh, one young man. So you can see those patterns. A lot of uh, families have all boys. That's kind of the way it is on the Hulsey side. It's mostly boys. Katie's the only, uh, you know, granddaughter of my mother-in-law. So the rest of them are all boys. So the male, through God actually sorting that out, using the male and his seed in those chromosomes, decides that. Now, did Jesus have an X chromosome? Of course he did. He got that from Mary. So the way to look at it is he was 50% from Mary. Okay? That's the way it is with all babies. They have 50% composition from their mother and 50% con, uh, composition from their father. That's, that's birth and how things work. Hopefully you had that in school. You know, we won't get into that, obviously. But what about Jesus? What about Jesus? Well, he had, he was conceived in Mary's womb. So that means the blood flowing through Mary was flowing through that baby. You say, wait a minute, Mary was not perfect. No, she was not. She was sinful. Did that contaminate the blood of Jesus? Because that blood is everything that he would shed. That blood that off the shroud of Turin was blood type AB. They run into some problems with the DNA on it, but I think God controls all that. That blood that came through Mary and flowed through Mary, through her heart and through her lungs and her vital organs flowed through that baby. That X chromosome. So for him to be a Jewish boy, there had to be a Y chromosome. Did it come from Joseph? Uh, hope not, because if it did, we're in big trouble. Because <laughs> he is completely human and no God at that point. The Y chromosome, miraculously, and we, we can't know all of this, the Y chromosome came from Yahweh. Not Joseph. So there was a miraculous conception within Mary's womb. And the way I look at that is, is that all the flaws in Mary's blood and her DNA, just like I have flaws in my physical makeup, obviously, you know, heart disease runs rampant in our family, strokes, heart attacks, blood clots, those kind of things. You just never know, sometimes cancer. Something had to happen. Yahweh created, as he is God that creates, you know, he can spit on, uh, on dust. He can spit on earth and make an eye out of it. He can make a man out of it. He did those in the Bible. God did something miraculously in that Y chromosome that not only was it perfect as he created it, he could see to the Holy Spirit and God's work. As he created it, it filled in all the gaps and covered all the flaws in Mary's eggs. Does that make sense? Some of you are looking at me like a... I didn't know I was a doctor, did you? I'm not. Way far away from it. That Y chromosome did not come from a human male. Jesus came down the line of David and was made heir and adopted in by adoption. You know, all the way down for that. Everything that happened was fulfilled that was, the prophet said would happen. God took his, I call it the Yahweh chromosome here. It's what I call it, Yahweh being the Hebrew name for God, Yeshua being the Hebrew name for Jesus, the Yahweh chromosome. When God knit the Savior together, there was cleansing that come from him in that, that made Jesus 
100% human, but 100% God. Does that make sense? So that's Jesus had Mary's blood through, uh, flowing through his veins, but it was made perfect by the Yahweh chromosome. I, I don't understand all the dynamics of that. I don't think God wants us to necessarily wants us to understand all the dynamics of that because it's by faith, and it is the most miraculous thing that ever happened that God would leave His throne, leave His home. That was the complete opposite of everything we know in splendor and, and, and being eternal and perfect to become one of us to win us back to his father if we believe that he did that for us. So that Yahweh chromosome, you might say, cleansed within Mary. Now, there's some, there's some debatable things there, you know. Because it, and it's some things that we don't understand. What I would pull from that is, is that God done a miraculous thing when he conceived, when he left his throne and became one of us. When he became one of us. And you see, when Jesus was beaten, uh, you know, uh, flogged, led to that cross, those crowns of thorns, that crown of thorns pushed into his skin all the way to the skull, when he was nailed to the cross, he was beaten absolutely beyond recognition. Every drop of the blood that was shed was an offering. Every drop of that blood that was shed was, was perfect. Had to be. <coughs> if it was Joseph's blood, which it was not because he was not conceived of man, but God through the virgin Mary had to be perfect. So that blood is perfect. And that blood is the offering that he supernaturally sprinkled on the mercy seat for us to be able to come back to God through faith in him, through faith in his death and resurrection, so that we could once again live forever. That's exactly what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. When Nicodemus, as smart and as rich as he was, sought Jesus out at night, when nobody else did it, say, and said, uh, what must a man do to enter the kingdom of God? Jesus said, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. In other words, you have to be born spiritually, not of water, not of water, not a physical birth. You've got to have a spiritual birth. And then that spiritual birth by faith ensures that one day your flawed DNA that's going to lead to your death sooner or later is perfected. Let me tell you something. When we are resurrected, when the trumpet sounds, which is going to be very soon, if we, if we die before that day comes... When we're resurrected, that DNA is made perfect. That's what Jesus was talking about. You have to be born again. You have to have faith in Christ. You have to submit to him. You have to have express faith in him. You have to admit that you're a sinner, believe that Christ died for you, and confess what has happened to you. When your conversion to faith in Jesus Christ, you have to do those things. By faith, that blood covers us makes us right. Not only does it do it spiritually at the point of belief or at the crisis of belief, but yet it ensures our resurrection in perfection, the bodily resurrection. And I'm going to close here. I said I'll be short. Something to think about what God has done now that we have technology and we can see these things, the divine DNA, the Yahweh chromosome, you might say if you want to call it that. This past week, and I'll end with this, this past week on Tuesday, that real cold day that we had, 
Nathan and I and, and Daddy, we went to an old cemetery that's over off of uh, Diamond Hill Church Road. You go up a hill there, and, and uh, right on the hill is an ancient cemetery where our pioneer ancestors are buried. And when we first got there, they were logging down one side of it. It scared us to death, but there's markers there, like they're logging everything now. But they knew it was there. So we went up there, and we cleaned off the vines. Uh, there was a big old buck rub right next to one of the graves. As I told Daddy and Nathan, that's perfect for a bunch of pioneers to be buried and, and uh, you know, that be their resting place. But we went, about three of the graves we marked. That we did that because we know who's buried there. Goes, there's a Revolutionary War buried there, David. David Latta, when he came to Georgia, started calling his name Laddie. I don't know if he's trying to run from something. Rumor has it he deserted George Washington at Valley Forge, but he started spelling his name Laddie, and here we are. He's buried there. Uh, was born in the 1700s. Was probably the second generation that we know of from that when they came over from Ireland and Scotland. So fascinating place, fascinating place. And when you stand there, I think the last person was buried there about 100 years ago, just shy of 100 years ago. So they buried in that cemetery from... About from the 1820s to the 1920s. So we're walking around there and it's just rocks, except for the stuff that we marked. There's one grave there where they chipped into the rock, the initials, so we know exactly who that was and who was buried there. But we walked around there and under those under the ground there, a couple of graves were sunk in. You know, I guess if they built them a wooden coffin out of clapboards or whatever, it had collapsed. The body decomposes and collapses. We're walking around there on the DNA of my ancestors, it's there. If there's a little tiny chip of bone, if there's a little strand of hair or maybe a tooth left, they can pull DNA from that and tell you a lot about that individual. Very expensive, uh, but it's there. So here I am, we're walking around carrying a lot of the same DNA that they had that they're buried and their mortal remains have returned to dust, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. But I can tell you one thing, for those of them that believed in that little forgotten cemetery that's overgrown by some kind of green vine that had big thorns on it, and on the day that the trumpet sounds, or the night that the trumpet sounds, if there are believers there, and we know there are, that DNA will be rewrought instantaneously, put back together, and will be manifest in a resurrected body. And they'll blast out of them vines and blast out of that rock, under those rocks, and blast out of there and heed the call of the Savior. Not because they deserved it, but because when they had faith two, 250 years ago, when they exercised faith and belief in Christ, you see, they were sealed forever. They're in heaven now, but yet their physical bodies will resurrect because that happened with Jesus. He was the first fruit. So what I'm trying to tell you is, and I'm done, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that we need a cleansing. We are flawed. And all of us would admit that. We are flawed. You know, as good looking as I am, as smart as I am, I'm a physical mess, okay? I mean, you know, you can't have it all. Pretty close, but you can't have it all. I say that in jest. Not only do I have that blood defect, but I've got spiritual defects. Without a cleansing 
of blood or a covering of blood from the Savior himself and this flawed DNA and this flawed blood, I have no hope. But because of Jesus and that divine DNA that came from Mary and was perfected by Yahweh to bring forth a perfect human, if you can see that, a perfect human. And not only did that perfect human walk the earth, but he died on the cross being spat upon, mocked, cursed, bleeding that precious blood. That's where the power is. Thank you so much for listening to the services from Calvary Baptist Church. To hear more of this sermon or other past services, please visit our website, calvarybcgainesville.org. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.